0: James chapter 1 verse 5 says If any of you lacks wisdom he, she should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Father, as we continue in this gathering I pray that by the power of your spirit, by the anointing of your spirit, you would take a guy who's a little weary this morning and give to me what I do not have in myself. Both the energy and ability to communicate, but more importantly than that, I pray Heavenly Father, that your Holy Spirit would anoint and empower this message and that those who hear it would have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to understand what you are desiring to say to them individually and to us as a body. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Eugene Peterson, speaking of scriptural, biblical wisdom, he says, wisdom is the skill of living. Webster's Dictionary defines wisdom as knowledge and the capacity to make practical use of it. The key there is to make practical use of what you know. I think all of us know people who are knowledgeable about one thing or another. They're intelligent, gifted, They could be brilliant, like many of you are in some specific arena of life, but who in living day-to-day, in living out their life, to use an extreme biblical phrase, they live as fools. For whatever reason, they can't do life. They, they, They can't make practical use of what they know. They lack wisdom. Wisdom beyond knowledge makes practical use of the things that you know. Now let's move a little bit past people that you know who you would characterize as not being very wise. And let's just kind of all get in to the stew together. Because the fact is every single one of us at one time or another have paid a price Sometimes a very high price for wisdom's absence in our life. Most of us, probably pretty quickly, could think of a significant personal pain that has been caused because we made a foolish action. We went a foolish direction. We made a foolish decision. And, and maybe for you it was a financial one. Maybe it was a moral Choice years ago, possibly, but it still is impacting your life today. Maybe it was a choice you made in your marriage. It might be a word that you chose to use in the midst of a confrontation. The relationship of the conversation got heated. You said something, and now I'm sorry is not going to fix it. Good news is that even In our foolish choices, there is amazing grace for people who will deal honestly with the choices we've made. But here's the hard reality of life. Even amazing grace does not have the power to magically eliminate pain or loss and sometimes the humiliation that comes with a foolish affection, a foolish direction, or a foolish decision. Remember, back in verse 2, it tells us that we will have pain in this life. We all face trials of many kinds. Whether you're wise or not, you are going to face pain. But Wouldn't it be great if we could learn to stop adding to the pile of things that have happened in the past. A foolish decision, a foolish direction, a a foolish word. Wouldn't it be great, wouldn't it be great to go to sleep tonight and have a dream? And in that dream, you're offered the opportunity to have anything you want. And you choose wisdom. That's what happened to King Solomon, 1 Kings chapter 3. He's, while sleeping, God asks him, what do you want? Ask anything. And he says, I want wisdom for how to rule because I lack it. problem is, even if you have that dream, I'm not sure you're going to wake up tomorrow and... Have all wisdom. It doesn't work that way, does it? Um, it comes through an extension of my relationship with the creator and the maker of the universe and the one who has finitely made me. We're going to get into that more in the upcoming weeks. See, I would like to look at the story of Solomon and go, I wish I could have a dream like that and just wake up with wisdom, all wisdom, all wisdom. For every situation, but here's the good news: we actually have something better. We have something better than what Solomon ever had. Right in this text, James chapter one, verse five is a promise. Black and white, translated for us so that we can read it and understand it. If you lack wisdom, in other words, Anyone in the room, I asked that it was we started out. If you recognize that wisdom, like Solomon recognized, here's the instruction I'm lacking wisdom. Here's the word let him or her ask God, who gives to all men and women generously. Now, that's really good news for everyone in the room. God promises to give you wisdom. If you recognize your need for it, and you ask for it. Look at verse 5 again. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives, again, notice it, generously to all without finding fault. That means I don't have to measure up somehow, and then, uh, oh, now God will give me wisdom. All I have to do is ask. He wants to give it generously, lavishly, to every person who recognizes their need for it. And they ask for it. My question is, why? Why does God get excited and love to give his children wisdom? And not just give it, but give it generously. And the answer to that, at least in part, is this. Because on a very practical level, God loves you very much. And he wants you and me to experience all that he has for us. He wants us to experience the fullness of joy. He desires for us to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Fully equipped for every occurrence. Even a fiery trial. Think about that. I can be in the midst of a fiery trial and ask God for wisdom. And he will give it. And all of that is possible. That is, to be thoroughly furnished with every good work, fully equipped for any occurrence, all of that is possible if I have wisdom from above. So I believe that when we ask God for this, his response is, mm, may, no, no, his answer is always yes, yes. T- to say to us, to say to you, You have no idea how much that I want to give this to you because I want you to walk in wisdom. I want you to bear much fruit. I want you to walk in joy. I want you to walk in the fullness of life. God is not holding back his wisdom. Question. When we ask for it, what are we asking for? When you ask God for wisdom, what are you asking for? And I want to take the rest of our time together this morning to begin to examine the what of wisdom. The what of wisdom. What are we asking for when we ask for wisdom? And the answer to that question is important because there are different kinds of wisdom. James chapter 3 verse 15 names three different kinds of wisdom. There is earthly wisdom, natural wisdom. There is demonic wisdom. What kind of wisdom are you asking for? Make no mistake about it. Each one of those kinds of wisdom accomplish things, have effect on things. But know this also, while... From those kinds of wisdom, you can gain something from them. Those wisdoms are characterized in the next verse, chapter 3 of James, verse 16. Those kinds of wisdom are marked by envy, selfish ambition, disorder, and every evil practice. Now I want you to think about those kinds of characteristics in terms of real life. In the context of real life, the fact is this, that sometimes... Those characteristics, envy, selfish ambition, disorder, and every evil practice, those characteristics sometimes wins the fight. Sometimes wins the argument. Sometimes squishes you like a bug. In fact, some of you have been in an argument with someone and you've lost to bitter jealousy because that's what was driving Their wisdom. Some of you have lost to someone else's arrogance because that's what was driving their wisdom. Some of you in a work situation have lost to someone's selfish ambition. That's what was driving their wisdom. Maybe they lied about you. They didn't tell what was true. They brought disorder in every evil kind of practice. It's an agonizing thing when that happens to feel like Evil is winning, doesn't it? But don't be naive. Don't be mistaken because earthly wisdom, natural wisdom, demonic wisdom can win some fights. However, while they can win some fights, they will never win the war. They are born of death and they will ultimately lead to death. So when you see these things pop up in a conversation, in an argument, in something that's unfolding around you, something you hear on the news, when you hear this kind of wisdom and it's couched in envy, selfish ambition, disorder, and evil practices of every kind, whatever else you do, do not wonder where it came from. It's earthly, natural, and demonic. So you see, it really is important then to distinguish, make distinctions about wisdom and know what are you asking for when you ask for wisdom. James chapter 1 verse 5, he instructs us to ask for wisdom. Chapter 3 verse 17 he defines or identifies for us the kind of wisdom that we should be asking for. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Look at verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Listen, it's really not hard to spot. You'll recognize them by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Now, that definition given by James captures my attention. So go back and look at James chapter 1, verse 5, and let's insert James' definition of wisdom. From chapter 3, verse 17, as we're trying to understand what are we asking for when we ask for wisdom. If any man lacks what? If any man or woman lacks what is pure. If any man or woman lacks what is peace-loving. If anyone lacks what is considerate, submissive. If anyone lacks mercy. If anyone lacks fruit in their lives. If anyone finds themselves to be wavering and full of hypocrisy rather than impartial and sincere, if anyone is lacking that which by James' definition is wisdom, ask God for it and he will give it to you generously. Now I'm starting to get a little bit more in tune with why God gets excited When we start asking for those kinds of things, that kind of wisdom, because in asking for those kinds of things, we are asking for the very character of God to be developed in our lives. Here's the deal. So what I want you to notice today, if there's one thing to walk away with, if there's one thing you could digest, what I want you to notice is that wisdom that we are being encouraged to ask for The characteristics of that wisdom is this. They are all spiritual qualities. They are not intellectual capacities. Let me say it again. All these things we're asking for, according to James, are spiritual qualities. They are not intellectual capacities. Capacities, let me say that this way. Knowledge and the capacity to acquire knowledge is centered in and contingent upon my mind, my intellect, my ability to understand, my ability to retain information. Wisdom, however, hear this, The capacity to acquire wisdom that James is talking about is not centered in your mind. It's not limited by your intellect. Wisdom and the capacity to acquire it is centered in your heart. It is centered in your soul. It is centered in the spirit of a man or a woman. It is altogether spiritual. Say it simply this way. You're about to take the test that you didn't study for. Oh, Lord, give me wisdom. Give it generously. That's not the kind of wisdom he's talking about here. Please hear this. Wisdom is the ability to make a right decision. But the ability to make a right decision is not rooted in my mind. The ability to make a right decision is not rooted in how smart I am, my intelligence. It is rooted in the heart. It is rooted in the soul. It's rooted in the spirit of a man and woman. It is altogether spiritual. That means, and this is really good news for me, that means that you could make a wise choice Make a wise decision, choose a wise direction, have a wise God-born affection, yet be considered by others as simple-minded. A person intellectually still who's simple-minded intellectually can still walk in wisdom. Understand this. My ability at the moment to make a good decision based upon something that exists... Let me say it again. My ability at the moment to make a good decision is based upon something that existed prior to having to make the decision. My ability at the moment to make a wise decision is something that existed prior to my need to make that decision because it has to do with character. It has to do with my walk of faith. It has to do with my relationship because if I am full of what is pure and if I am full of that at the moment that I make a decision, if I'm full of what is peace-loving, if I'm full of good fruit, if, I am full of, if I'm impartial and sincere, do you think that will impact the decision that I have to make? To choose wisely. It's altogether spiritual wisdom. The fact is, there are highly intelligent people, more intelligent than me, more intelligent than you, and they have the capacity intellectually to do things that would boggle The mind. But who never walk in wisdom. In terms of the living of their lives, they are shipwrecked. They're not able to maintain relationships. They don't know how to love. Nor do they know how to live richly. There are also many people with high... Intellect who do walk in wisdom. See, the matter isn't a matter of high intellect or low intellect. That's not the issue. Conversely, there are people who have simple mind. People that you may know personally. People who hold a warm place in your heart. But when you see how they do life, they walk in godly wisdom. There is a wisdom to their affections. There's a wisdom to their directions. There's wisdom in the decisions they make that is born of God because wisdom is spirit-born, heart-born, spiritual, altogether spiritual. But I do hold out this hope because... See, there are more times than I care to remember when I have acted the fool. More times than I care to remember that I made a foolish decision, a foolish choice. I said foolish things. But I hold to this hope that as I walk, my walk in absolute dependence upon Him and the Spirit's infilling and knowledge of my need for wisdom and ask for wisdom which comes from above, my hope is that more often than not, I will be seen as a man who walks in godly wisdom and not the way of the fool. Wisdom which is from above, it's not that hard to spot because first of all, it's pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And when you're facing a decision and someone offers you advice, you don't have to wonder where their advice is coming from. You just need to ask yourself, this advice that I've been given, is it pure? This advice that I've been given, does it bring peace or does it stir things up? This advice that I've been given, how about this? Does the fruit... Of the person's life who offered me this information is a good fruit. The wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. It's not that hard to spot. Wisdom, it's spiritual that James is talking about. It's not intellectual. It's rooted in the heart, not in the mind. And it's available to everyone who recognizes their need for it and asks. Wisdom to do life. Wisdom, wisdom is how you take what you know and make practical use of it for the sake of the kingdom, for the glory of God, and for the benefit and the blessing of other people. That does not mean that life will be pain-free It means richness in the life you live. A daily awareness of the presence of God, even perhaps in the midst of incredible pain and a fiery trial. Because if there's ever a time that I need godly wisdom, it's then. I want to say that again. In the midst of incredible pain and a fiery trial that is when I need wisdom from above. Too often, when I'm there, that's when I lean toward the other kinds of wisdom that is not of God. Application. Consider this. That if what wisdom is, is first of all pure peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good, fruit, impartial and sincere. If that's what it is, then the next time, maybe today, maybe Monday, maybe sometime this week, the next time that you come up to one of those critical decisions in your life and, and you consider the pros and cons of this choice that you have to make, but in the midst of it, as best you can, to push all that to the back burner and ask God for his wisdom. Ask God for his wisdom. And before you say, so that I can know what I should do, start with this, God. Father, I am here today to ask for your wisdom. And what I mean by that is this, fill me with what is pure. Fill me by your spirit with what is peace-loving. Fill me with mercy. Fill me with good fruit. Cause me to be impartial and sincere from the depths of my inmost being. And dear Jesus, if there was ever a time in my life that I needed to be filled with every the character of God and be dominated by the life of Christ, it's now as I face this decision. Then ask him what to do. I hope you've begun to get a picture of what wisdom is. The kind of wisdom that we're invited by James to ask for and that God wants to give to us lavishly to everyone who recognizes their need for it and asks for it. It's the What you're asking for, what I'm asking for is the very character of God. To be resident in you and me And to have that character have profound effect on the directions I go, the decisions that I make, that is wisdom. When you ask for wisdom from God, that's what you're asking for. Not just to know what you're supposed to do. We get to unpack wisdom over the next couple of weeks And it's really wise of me right now to end this service. So stand up with me, will you? Father, my my hope, my prayer for my brothers and sisters here today is that even as we go into this week, that by your spirit you would bring these things to our mind. That when we're faced with a decision that we would ask this question, Lord, I need your wisdom and what I'm asking for is what is pure peace-loving, sincere. Lord, I need you to invade my life because then I know that I can be wise. Let me walk in your ways and not mine. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would stir that up in each one of us as we walk into this week and it would become a normal practice of who we are as your people. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless.